Gracias. I, I swear, I don't even know if this uh, camera is straight, but I mean, we move. We move, okay? All right, y'all, we move. Anyways, dang, so today is just me, but that's okay because that's okay. It's me. So it is your girl, Precious, and this is the Journey to Intimacy podcast. And I want to say thank you for choosing to come on this journey with me. Let's get started. I don't even, me and my consistency is blessed in the name of Jesus. So today's episode is a personal one. Like, it's a very personal episode. Because I believe that, like, the nature of God and how he sees me has always been something that, like, the enemy has tried to lie to me about. And it's been something that I've always wrestled with over and over. Honestly, the perspective of God and how he views me is probably one of the biggest reasons that I even was led I were I was even led to start this podcast, Journey to Intimacy, because yeah, on this journey, how the Father sees me has been questioned so many times, more than I can count, literally. And it has just caused so many things in my life. So if you haven't guessed it already, today's topic is who changed your perspective. So the starting scripture is Jeremiah 31 verse 3. And today we're just gonna we're gonna take it from the amplified version. And y'all, I'm not gonna lie to you, I just got the scripture like as I was about to press record. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Don't sleep on the Holy Spirit. So let's read it. It says, The Lord appeared to me, Israel. In this terms, precious, or insert your name. It says from ages past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. And that word everlasting has meant so much to me because God, it's been a constant in my life that God has always reminded me um, of. So I know I can't be the only one. I know in my life, I've not always made the best decisions, <laughs> like literally, literally. There's been times where I've done things that I've deeply regretted. I want to say I, I've deeply regretted, but because of, you know, what God does with our shame, I don't, I don't have regrets for it anymore, I guess. But, you know, I've been in situations that God warned me about, but I found myself in them anyways. I've been in, you know, associations, situations that honestly, pretty much altered the way that I viewed myself. It really took a knock to my confidence in how God felt about me because I I used to have this like image of what I was supposed to look like because I don't know, like it wasn't a thing of did I love God? I really, I really did love God. I really felt like I gave God my yes. I really felt like I wanted to make him smile. Like my entire life I spent just wanting to make God smile. And so whenever I would do something that, you know, was against what he said, I had this innate fear. Like it was a huge fear that like God was no longer pleased with me. God was no longer smiling at me. And as a result, I would literally run away from his presence. Like I would be far away from his presence and it would affect everything. It would affect my mental health. It would affect the way that I showed up. And being in full-time ministry, it's kind of hard being in full-time ministry when you aren't in the presence of God. Like, you won't survive. I just remember a season, like, I would have to show up for work every day. 
And I was, I mean, I was doing like the one twos I was doing, excuse me. I was doing, you know, the things that were expected of me, I guess. But I felt so dead inside because I had been away from the presence of God. And the reason I ran away was because of shame. The reason I was so shameful was because I felt that somehow, some way, my wrongdoings or the things that, you know, God had asked me not to do or my disobedience kind of kept God upset with me. Like he was mad at me and he just didn't want anything to do with me anymore. And I remember one day, oh my gosh, it was one day I was in my bedroom and I honestly, transparency moment, I was in my bedroom and I just was sitting on my bed and I was sobbing. And when I was sobbing, I was sobbing because I felt like I had such uncertainty on when God was going to take my life away. And I know that sounds extreme, but when you don't know if the Father is pleased with you, you also don't know what you're doing here anymore. I felt like I had no business still being on earth because God was over me. He was done with me. He was through with me. And I just, I was sobbing and I, it was like an uncontrollable sob. And I remember just hearing a voice, you know, in my spirit. And it was, it was a very, very still small voice because that's how God talks. And I just remember him one line saying, who changed your perspective on me? And I heard that line and I just began to sob. And when I heard it and, and I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know when I ever felt like God wasn't who he said he was. Because up until that moment, all of my life, he showed me in so many different ways that he loved me regardless. All of my life, he showed me that he was faithful to me regardless of what I did with my own hands. All of my life, he spent time telling me and showing me that I could never be too far gone that he wouldn't chase me. Scripture shows us in so many different places that, you know, we serve a God who We'll send an army, an angel army to find us and get us back, no matter how far we go. We see in scripture how he feels about the one, you know, that popular scripture where he's like, he leaves the 99 to fight for the one. And he showed me all of his life, you know, in my own personal life and in different ways that he comes through always. So he just, when he asked me the question of who changed your perspective, it really just shifted my entire like heart because I was like, who did change my perspective on you? You know, like, since when do you, since when don't you show up for me? You know, you showed me for 20, at that time, 23, 24 years, I think, that there is nothing that I can do that can make you stop loving me. You've done, you've done so many things, right, to show me that. You've gone out of your way so many times to show me that there is nothing that I can do that can make you stop loving me. And yet, for some reason, I'm sitting in bed, I'm sobbing because I think God hates me. And I I kind of, you know, after like studying that moment, I, I spent time also looking at God's point of view. And I saw a father whose heart that I broke. And I broke his heart not because of my sin, but I broke his heart because I basically told him that all of his actions to show me that he loved me was worthless to me. It didn't mean anything to me. And I sat there and I just apologized to him because I was like, dang, like you are very much so the same God that sent your son to die for me, like your only child. And here I am questioning if you love me. 
And I want to bring back that scripture, you know, that says that, that we read in the beginning where it says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And for something to be everlasting, that means it's never ending. And God being a man of his word and God being a God that like doesn't go back on his word. When he says that he loves you everlastingly, he loves you with a love that can never run out. That means that you don't hold that much weight enough for him to change his mind about you. Neither do you hold enough weight for him to change his word. Because this is the very same God that regards his word so highly that he holds it above his own name. And his name is powerful. And his name is above everything. You know, like every at the mention of his name, literally it says in scripture, like every knee has to bow. So if his word is more powerful and valid than his name, how much more weight do I think that I hold? And it's almost prideful to think that you can do anything for him to change his word. And not only is it kind of like a, a nudge, a reminder that like you don't hold that much weight, but it's also encouraging to know that like I don't hold that much weight for him to change his word. His word says that neither death nor life can separate me from the love of God. And that is true, you know? And I um I I know like many of us, right, we adopt this weird false understanding of who God is, whether it's because of what social media says he is, whether it's because of what our past traumas or this famous and famous word of church hurt, you know, has told us about God. But it's like people fail, but God never fails. People may disappoint you. People may say that you're too far gone. But if God didn't say it, then that is not the final say-so. Because like I said, he holds his word above his name. And so when I was telling myself all these lies that, you know, I was too far gone or the enemy was having a girl, he was having a filled day with me because like I was giving him all the access in the world to just tell me anything. And I was really just like taking it in as truth. So I was telling myself like, yeah, precious, you know, you, you're too far gone. You, yeah, you really messed up this time. Yeah, this is, he's done with you now. Like maybe last time he would have taken you back, but this time for sure, he's done with you. Like it's a false understanding, but here comes truth. And I, and I don't know, I was talking about it one time with somebody, but we always hear it, but there's, there's reality. And then there's truth. Reality is, yeah, you have messed up a lot. Like you, you have been disobedient one too many times. That's reality. Reality is that like you're not holy and you're not doing the things that God has called you to do. But truth says that he throws out your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Truth says that he's loved you with an everlasting love. Truth says that there's nothing that can separate you from his love. And yes, in a world where there's so much realities, we're to hold on to truth because truth stands. When heaven and earth passes away, his word will still stand. And his word is that he doesn't change. He can never change. So when we're asking who changed our perspective of him, we have to know that that's the enemy, the accuser, who is uncertain of himself, but God is not uncertain of himself. He's very certain of who he says he is. And he's a God that doesn't leave us, neither is he a God that forsakes us. And, you know, when I was going through like my little journey of God kind of asking me like when was your perspective changed of who I was, he he's so good because he began to reveal himself once again to me because he's patient, you know, he's kind to me and he's good to me. And he was like, I understand you're in a season where you forgot who I said I was to you, but let me remind you because he's just that good of a father that he'll go out of his way to remind us, you know, even if he doesn't 
have to. It's not his obligation to remind us, but he does it anyways. So here are some of the things that he reminded me of who he was. And I want to also remind you guys of who God is. So number one, he's the father that never changes the way that he looks at us. Um, His eyes are not like our eyes. Our eyes are fickle. Our eyes go up and down. But it says in scripture that he's a constant father, meaning his lens never changes. The same lens he looked at you when he made you is the same lens he looks at you now. Like when he looked at you and called you good, that never changed. He still calls you good. So he is a father that doesn't change the way that he sees you. You were called good the very first day you took your first breath and you'll still be called good from the day that you take your last breath because he doesn't change the way he sees you. Secondly, he's a father that calls us for more because he sees so much in us. He wants more out of us, meaning, of course, that's why he doesn't tolerate us doing our own thing. You know, it's (laughs) when we were, it says in scripture that before I formed you, I knew you, right? Meaning he knew all that you were meant to be and all that you were capable of being. So sometimes when we sin, sometimes when we're disobedient, in a way, it's cutting ourselves short of who he's called us to be. So the reason he calls us for more and the reason he chastens us is not because he hates us, but it's because he sees us the way that he saw us the very first day before we were, you know, capable of doing anything on our own. When we were had this innocence, he still sees us that very same way. So he chastens us not because he's a hateful father, but he chastens us because he calls us for more because he sees more in us. Thirdly, he's a father that never rejects a contrite heart. So I know one thing about God, and it's a beautiful thing about God, is that he doesn't know how to reject those that he loves. And because he says that he loves us, he promises he loves us, he doesn't know how to reject us. And as long as your heart is pure, not pure in the way of perfection, but pure in the way of God, I really do need you. He doesn't reject us. He's a God that is always waiting for us to come back home anyways. And that is something that I literally always say in this podcast is like, come home anyways. Come home anyways. Oh, you did this thing yesterday? Come home anyways. Oh, you said you were going to you know, read your devotional more and you fell short? Come home anyways. Because scripture says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's not just you. You're not single-handed out, like, you know, left out. Like we all, every single one of us that have breath have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the beautiful thing about God is that when we are weak, he is strong. He has all the tools that we would ever need to be, you know, made whole and made pure. So he just wants, your only requirement is for you to come home to him, you know, broken, humble and saying, God, I look at my hands. And I have dropped things every time I've tried to hold it with my hand. So I'm giving it over to you. That is the thing that moves his heart. Fourthly, he is a father that, fourthly, I don't even know if that's the word, but he is a father that will sacrifice everything for you. Um, I mentioned earlier that he gave his one and only son. That was his everything. He gave it at the, at the cost of maybe we might choose him. Like imagine a God giving everything he has off of a maybe. There wasn't a certainty that we would choose him, but he loved us so much that maybe was enough for him. Maybe it was enough for him to give everything up. And I think of like a father's love, you know, a parent's love. There's nothing like it. It's an unconditional love that they don't know while raising us that we would be everything that they hope that we're going to be, but they don't shortchange us and they don't stop giving us everything. 
in hopes that maybe we will turn out to be good. You know, there's not a promise and there's not a guarantee, but the the love of us overrides a need to have this guarantee. And the father is the same way. His love for us overrides the confidence he has for us to choosing that we would choose him. And so he sacrifices everything for us and he keeps doing it. And I think I was talking to my mom some time ago and we we're just talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And she was telling me, I think it was her that, yeah, it was her. She was telling me that like God was basically revealing to her that like, if you were the only person in the world and everyone else was saved, right? He would still go back to the cross for you because that's just how much you mean to him. So I can't imagine a God that would do all of that just for the one to say that I'm done with you. He would never do that. I can't imagine what you do to be weighty enough that a God that would go back to the cross for you would be like, nah, I'm good off of you. I can't, I just can't imagine him being a God like that. Fifthly, he's a father that never abandons the one that calls that he calls his own. Like I said in scripture, it says that he promises that he will never leave us, neither will he forsake us. So even if you can't hear him, even if you feel like he's far away, I want to guarantee that he's not far away. He wants you to talk to him so that you can hear him respond. He's always going to respond. That's what he knows how to do, you know? He is a father that just, he's always speaking, you know? And I think it was in the scripture, and I can't remember the scripture, but um, God's presence was there, and he said that he wasn't in the fire, and he wasn't in the earthquake, but he was still there. And that means that even if our eyes can't always identify where he is in a situation, he's still there. He's not absent. He's always speaking. We just have to prune our our ears and our hearts to hear him. But he's always speaking, you know. He's always going to be there, you know, just so as long as you're seeing another day, that to me is living proof that he's still there and he's still very much interested in talking to you. And six, he's a father that doesn't miss a thing. He sees everything. You know, you might be going through something and you're like, dang, like nobody sees me, but he sees everything. You know, he doesn't miss a thing. And I want to remind you that he doesn't miss a thing. I think God's evidence for me in my personal life is that same day where I was crying in my bed and I felt like no one understood and I was too far gone. His eyes were always locked in on me because they don't shift off of me. And because that's just the kind of father he is. And he saw that my heart was broken. He saw that I was just going through it. And because he doesn't miss a thing, he saw fit to speak to me in that moment. Not because I was qualified for him to speak to me in that moment, not because I did all the right things and I did the proper procedures, but it's he's almost like, incapable of just ignoring me and turning his eyes away from me. And so his little whisper to me was, it was everything I needed in that moment, you know? So I just want to remind you, he doesn't miss a thing. And lastly, he is a father that loves us endlessly. That has been the constant in um, this podcast episode is that his love is everlasting his love can't be challenged and his love is pure and it's good and it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So those are the seven truths that I want you guys to remember is that our father is good and he's a good God and no one should be able to change your perspective on him and who he says he is because his word doesn't change. So who he is doesn't change. So I want you to remember if you remember anything is that spending time in the presence of God, you know, and just kind of being hidden in him 
in a place of intimacy, it debunks the myths about who God is. Because it's so much easier for the enemy to tell you about a God that you don't know. But it's harder for the enemy to tell you about a God that you literally spend all your days getting to know. If you are lost in him and if you stay in him, there is no room for the enemy to come in and tell you a lie because God's voice automatically becomes louder. You know, I say like, if I'm picking up a telephone, right? Because God is our lifeline. Let's say it's like a telephone. I can't imagine the phone being in my ear, like right here, and the voice of somebody far away is overpowering the person right next to me. It can't happen. And I believe that that's what we're meant to do is in order for us to keep our perspective of God pure and to always be reminded of who he is and who he says he is, you have to remain this tight to him. Like I can't, it's like having a friend, right? If you're friends with that person, you're like peanut butter and jelly. It's like having a best friend, you know, and being like this close. Can't nobody tell me about my best friend because we spend every, like every day together. Nobody can come and tell me a lie about that person because we spend all there is to spend with each other. So you can't lie to me about who that person is. We're meant to do the same thing with God is like, if you spend every day with him in his word, because his word is like one of the best ways that he can reveal who he is to you. That's why he says like, study the word daily, you know, because that is the best way that you can debunk like who, who he is, like the myths of who he is. Intimacy, you know? Um, I, I think that the only way, right, to silence lies is obviously with truth. But in order for you to silence lies with truth, you would have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you would have no like weapon to silence the lie with. Once again, intimacy does that. You know what I mean? So I want to leave us with this because I know we've been here for a little bit, but I want to say that it's the presence of God. And it's continuously coming to him, even if you don't feel qualified, that makes all the difference in your life. If you don't come to him over and over again, you've given the enemy access. You've given him permission because you've left this, you left the space empty because you've created distance. Don't allow the lie of your mind to keep you distance from the father. He has the antidote to everything. If you feel like you have so much shame, he has the cure for that. If you feel like you just keep going in cycles, he has the cure for that. If you feel like, you know, you're underqualified and you just keep making a mistake, he has the cure for that. In his presence, there is a cure for every single thing that you'll ever deal with in this life. Because like I said, when Jesus Christ was on earth, he went through everything and he got through it, literally. Now he's in heaven with his father. So if he can get through it, we can too. But it's only by withdrawing yourself and it's only by constantly being intimate with him that you can be strengthened, right? Like you can have the understanding that you're supposed to have so that you can get through this life. So if ever a time you feel like you're running away from the presence of God and you can't come home to him or there's just shame has just piled up and it's like, nah, you don't know me, precious. Like it, yeah, your stuff is probably slight work, precious, to what I've done. I want you to ask the question that the father asked me, who changed your perspective on him? And be reminded that he is all of those things and more that I shared with you guys. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I want to pray with you before we leave. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your people. Thank you for who you say you are and who you always will be, God. Father God, thank you for this revelation on all the things that you are. You are a good, good father. You're a God that doesn't change your mind. 
Neither are you a God that changes the way that you see us, Lord. From the beginning of time, you promised us that we would be the apple of your eye, Lord. Father God, you promised that you would love us with our everlasting love. And because you don't run out and because your faithfulness doesn't run out, Father God, your promise will always be made true, Father God. Lord, I pray for each and every person listening to this, God, no matter what they're going through, Lord, I pray that you remind them that you love them and you will always love them and that we do not hold enough weight to change your mind about us, God. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name.